Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? You know, I don't like fall and it's cold now yeah. and so I really hate that. I'm not here for football weather. So. We're getting into November. November yeah. time frame. Halloween is upon us. Halloween is super overrated. I 100% agree with that. Right now, we should be enjoying like the start of the NBA season. And we're not. And we're not. So we're that's really disappointing. We might be closer than we think, but we'll get to that Woo! here in a minute. Uh, before we get into episode 85, uh, let me remind you to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. And also give us a rating and a review on our podcast platform of your choice. Matt, what did people miss in episode 84? So, in terms of big hiring news, Ty Lu ultimately got the job with the LA Clippers. Uh, finally got Steve Ballmer to open up his wallet wide enough to keep him there. And then... What might have been a a trigger to the next part of the news, which was Daryl Morey stepped down as GM of the Rockets. We we know the Rockets were trying to court Ty Lue to Houston, but ultimately was unsuccessful because Tillman Fertitta is cheap. And so Morey, not not totally out of left field, but somewhat, decided to step down, leave the organization, and the Houston Rockets filled his position from within uh, the team's management with Raphael Stone. Still looking for a head coach, though, because Mike, Mike D'Antoni still not there. He left also. So that's a still rebuilding situation in the front office for the Houston Rockets. And the main topic, we started our draft preview episode, uh, number one featuring the guards, and we will uh, continue to proceed through those draft previews today and in coming weeks leading up to the nba draft here in what's less than a month now it's wild i know it's it's like the season ended and it's been like bad well that's the thing is the drafts usually like a week after the end of the yeah you have like literally less than a week if you're like playing in the championship to get ready for the draft which is just insane um anyways i'm excited for the wing preview today yeah, I love wings. Yeah. They're the most swing skill guys. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, and, like, honestly, I I don't know. Guards kind of are overrated at times. But guards win games. So, there's that. Um, moving on to the news. The NBA. Somewhat dramatic this week. On scale <laughs> 1 to 10, it was like a 6 and a half. It's like they were trying the best they could do for mid-October and a pandemic year. <laughs> yeah. They did Everyone kind of needed a break for a second because the week before was like a mat. It was like almost an eight, nine <laughs> yeah. in terms of a dramatic scale. Uh, so let's get into it. The NBA is strongly considering a much earlier start date than what we had talked about. We had kind of briefly mentioned that, I think, mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. I don't remember. We when talked we about it at some point. Yeah, we kind of put set the over under on like when we thought the season would start. And I think we both agreed it would be February and March before we saw a start date for the NBA. The board and governors are kind of leading towards a December 22nd, possibly somewhere in that time frame, Christmas Day, start, from, start time, uh, but could also extend out to January 18th. 
uh, as late as January 18th. That's Martin Luther King. Yeah, that's that weekend, which I think would be a good weekend for them. Considering... Just kind of dominate that weekend. Yeah, and like it's a bit more removed from football and all. So that's probably pretty good. And then with all the social justice things the NBA has done, that seems pretty fitting. But I understand... You know, maybe it's those extra three weeks. Yeah. I I guess they're just going to have to make that call. That might be a one where the players get to step in and be like, can we push January? But, you know, at the end of the day, it's the owners that cut the checks. So they're the ones that ultimately probably get to make that decision. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see the push and pull from that with the players because that two months is, is a really, really quick turnaround. Yeah. But there are some teams that haven't played in, you know, since March. Seven months from yeah. now. And so they're like, at that point, they're going to be nine months, ten months removed from playing ball. So for them, it takes, it's been forever. For the Lakers and the Heat, they're like, I just sat down. <laughs> Jimmy Butler's, can I get like a two more months, please? Yeah. Like I deserve, game Game four should have gotten me at least a month and a half off, period. Anyway. Uh, in hiring news, the Pelicans hire Stan Van Gundy as their new head coach. Matt, what do you think about this? This is kind of interesting. I didn't see really Stan Van Gundy getting in the mix with the Pelicans as for, much as he did. For this job. So I remember what I texted you was, this feels like a win-now-ish move. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe not. Obviously, you're talking championships, but like we're making the playoffs in the next year or two. Like, that's that's why you hire Stan, right? So it's, it's borderline like, you were close-ish this year. And if you didn't have the worst bubble of all time, you might have got that play and opportunity. But so it's you see Memphis, and you're like, we could do Memphis. We we could do that. And then I mean, we're not doing going to do it today. But everyone always talks like, is Portland done? Is that off? And then Spurs and all that. So you know, them making an eight in the next year or two, and maybe a seven in the next year or two, isn't unrealistic. I I don't know. If you bring in Stan Van Gundy, though, that you offload certain players like JJ or Drew or you let Derek Favors walk, to bring in a guy like Stan signals to me like you need a pretty strong balance of old and young. So I'm I'm curious to see what he takes this roster to, like how he significantly changes the style of play. Because obviously Alvin Gentry was run until your legs fall off and stand it he's a good coach he is a good coach bad gm good coach (laughs) and so maybe he can get a little more creative within the half court offense and that's enough to push this team forward and if there's an probably says enough defense but ultimately that's on players to me more than coach at this point like if the players aren't gonna don't want to play defense then yeah. Stan can yell it till he's blue in the face, and it's not going to matter. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point, is that I, it feels like the Pelicans are convinced they're going to make the playoffs, but every other team in the West is convinced they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, the Suns... Literally all 15 teams. <laughs> I think the Thunder might be the only ones who might duck out of the race early. It's just like, yeah, we're, we're good with this. Yeah. Because, like, Minnesota wants to make it, obviously, with Russell coming over. Mm-hmm. The Suns with their run in the bubble. Yeah. Golden State's not, obviously, going to hopefully get injured yeah. again. Golden State's going to be back in healthy. Um, 
and now they have a top tier pick, but we kind of talked about that last week as well. Yeah. It's just going to be a fascinating thing for this West race, and I like the hire, I think. Like, I think that's a good, uh, he's a good developmental guy um, to get with, pair with Zion uh, and Brandon Ingram. Hopefully, um, you know, the Pelicans can move. I, I had them in the playoffs last year, but I, it's going to be a stretch for them who, to make it's, the playoffs. Who do you take out? If they're right. making the playoffs, who doesn't make the playoffs? Right. And barring injury, I don't know. Yeah. Like, there is a team there that is borderline playoffs, but it, the Stan Van Gundy put them over the top to get to, like, 41-41 or whatever is required to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this year, obviously, COVID, we don't know if 41 wins would have got you in the playoffs in the West. But, I mean, Memphis was always about that 500-ish and fairly firmly in the eight. So, I think, yeah, if you can get 42, you're in. It's tough. Yeah. It's just in the West, and you're having to play West teams right? more often than easy. That's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. Another uh, head coaching job got filled this week. N- Matt, you're going to have to help me with this name. It's Nate Bork- Bork- B- Bjorkin? Borkin. Oh, I think that's, that's about that's how you... That's the most Ikea name. Yeah, right. It sounds <sighs> very like Swedish and whatever. Like, I'd... <laughs> It we sounds like I'm putting together a desk for my Kia. <laughs> it's like, can we just call him Coach Nate? Yeah, that, that, that's Coach what B, I'm going with. Something like that. NB. That's what I'm saying from now until the end of the time. Uh, the Pacers hire... This guy. This guy. <laughs> uh, from Toronto uh, as their new head coach. He was an assistant in Toronto. One of Nick Nurse's top assistants. Um, so that's an interesting hire. I think it's a good fit. Um, for Indiana, it's not a high-profile guy, per se. Um, not having to pay him a ton. Not having to pay him a ton. It's going to be interesting. I don't think that's a really... Com- like, it's not a commitment. We're not getting a signal from the front office either way, whether what they're leading toward. Uh, but given the coaching history or lineage he comes from, it feels like they're still trying to compete. Yeah. At least that's my take on it. I, it feels I think like right. they're not giving up on Oladipo, like, you wouldn't bring this guy in to lose a whole bunch. Yeah, I think you're bringing him in to win. The idea of him is he's Nick Nurse 2.0. Yeah, exactly. Because right? he did the whole G League, D League, whatever yeah. it was called, the D League at the time, where, like, he was literally on Nurse's staff, like, for, for the Iowa Energy and whatever, and huh. then worked his way around the G League for, like, Santa Cruz, I think. And, and so there's been a similar path that, like, Nurse mm-hmm. took um and then obviously he ended up with nurse these last handful of years and got promoted up to the toronto staff also and he's allegedly the guy who had the box in one idea when they played golden state so yep. it's like okay this guy's cr- if he is even somewhat similar to nick nurse the idea is he's creative yeah right and so with indiana pacers not creative so <laughs> this is the very hopeful well, maybe that's the front office way of saying, like, yeah, you're going to have to get creative because we're not moving off of Turner and Sabonis. Yeah. Like, we're just, yeah, like, we can't. I need you to figure out some dribble handoff stuff more with Sabonis. I need you to figure out how to get Turner to quit taking long twos. <laughs> I need you to figure out Oladipo's jump shot. Yeah. I need you to figure out Brogdon to get him some driving lanes and then filling in with the rest of this not bad roster. Right. But it's very bland. Like yeah, past that though, it's just like Jeremy Lamb 
is fine, right? <laughs> it's like Doug McDermott is like okay. The like holidays, they're, they're something. Like they're the East version of the Utah Jazz, right? Yeah. Like they've just hit a ceiling. I think both, not to bring the Jazz into this conversation, but they both hit a ceiling of like, this is what these teams are. Like you're not leapfrogging the top tier teams, yeah. so but unless, you're still going to make yeah. the playoffs. So unless one of your stars takes either a massive leap or you have some sort of overly creative coaching change, you are what you are. Yeah. And so, I mean, if we're assuming Brogdon is who he is, Oladipo is who he is, Turner is who he is, and Sabonis, maybe there's a little more there. But, I mean, he had a really great season. And, while I don't want to say it's impossible for him to take another step, I mean, he's outperforming already expectations. So, do you want to put... Like, how much more can he outperform realistically? I don't know. Maybe this Nate Bjorken can get more out of him. But, that's that's hard to know going into it because we don't know this guy's coaching style because... I, I want the NBA to expand its G League, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I watched <laughs> the last five years of yeah. it either, though. So, right. you know, it's it's tough to know how effective this move is going to be for Indiana. It's going to be an interesting one. I think that India is still a team to watch, and they have some stuff they can move. But anyways, um, some more head coaching stuff here. Uh, Chauncey Billups joins the Clip- Los Angeles Clippers staff, and then Amari Sodermeyer joins... Uh, Steve Nash in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating coaches. with Amari Stoudemire. I think. They said his idea, his main job is going to be player development. Okay. So Jared Allen, did we bring in a one on one coach for Jared Allen? Is that is that what we're doing here? I don't. It feels like Steve Nash just needs someone who could be his friend on the coaching staff, yeah. and like he just relies on. Yeah, it's like the first time like Kyrie yells at him, Amari like stands up and says, "What you say?" <laughs> Yeah. And just gets in his face and be like, no. Yeah. We are like, not all head coaches here, Kyrie. That's not <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> oh, my God. There's an amazing there's an amazing series going on on The Athletic. If you're not subscribed, I would highly rec- recommend uh, paying the, like, 20 bucks for the year or whatever it is to get subscribed to Athletic. And they did a survey with a whole bunch of agents within the NBA, and there were some just amazing quotes about Juicy. Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um. Anyways, that's beside the point. I, I, these are fine. I mean, like it's good to have more players. I think in and around the league, yeah. um, especially in coaching positions. I, the Billups one I missed. I guess that's exciting for the Clippers. I think. Yeah, you just uh, like another player who's who like he's won before. Yeah, right. Championship he, caliber type of so, guy knows the culture, and he did it with that scrappy Detroit you know mid-2000s team so it's like maybe he can be that nice blend of like look if you want to play somewhat that way i.e the clippers of two years ago here's how you can elevate it and we're gonna use Kawhi and paul george in these ways to elevate it so maybe he can be a nice blend in that locker room a nice voice there also like for the longest time it's always like is billups ever gonna be like a gm or something like that so maybe now he's more diverting into coaching which would be cool too because i you know smart player point guard like we just said won championships i mean his game was way ahead of his time yeah right chauncey big shot billups (laughs) so you know maybe it's one of those like he sees like oh the way i think about the game and played the game like the game's caught up to it so maybe he could transition to being a head coach um or at least a high level assistant a little bit easier than he could have five six years ago 
So, but yeah, it's like it's an interesting move. I don't know if either of them are super impactful, but there's something to keep, uh, especially the Billups one, if you're looking for a head coach in 2022. I, yeah, I think the big thing is going to be, like, what the Clippers have kind of done is, like, accountability. Like, yeah. they're, I think they're looking to hold their stars accountable, specifically Kawhi, because there's been some rumblings around the lack of accountability there with Kawhi. Yeah. And it feels like Billups and Ty Lue could hold. Yeah, because guys, they both guys have, with rings. Yeah, but they have both the acclaim uh, yeah. and, like, rings to back it up. Last piece of news here. Uh... NBA decides to host the 2020 draft virtually. No surprise there? I don't think so. Again, yeah. knowing how the NBA's been about the bubble and all, they've laxed the things a bit with, like, meeting with prospects. But I'm not totally surprised with this. Like, I've seen some details on how this is going to work. Um, but for the most part, the big idea is this is virtual. I don't... And we said at the time when the NFL did their virtual draft is the NBA should watch what went well, what didn't go well, and then do that. And so, to some degree, they are. So um, I like the idea of the virtual draft. The, the NFL one wasn't bad, so just improve it. Yeah, the I mean, there was some great stuff that came out of the NFL one, like Bill Belichick never being in a seat to actually <laughs> And his dog sitting pick. there. Yeah. Roger Goodell amazing. getting comfy. Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, so I hope the NBA decides to bring its own personality into this draft. And For sure. I mean, like you could bring like Shaq and those guys, Ernie oh, yeah. and those guys on, and make it fun. Um, but we'll see it on that one. I think the last thing that I'll hit on here, I guess, is that the All Star Games in jeopardy uh, oh, for this no. next <laughs> for this next season. Um, yeah, I don't care. Like whatever. I I think the All Star Game should be like okay, like you got voted into this quote unquote All Star Game. Because for some guys, like, it matters for their legacy, like, how many times they made yeah. the All-Star game or whatever. So, like, still do the vote. Still do the vote, but, but just, like, yeah, just give the players a vacation. Just, yeah. like, hey, take a week off. Like, yeah. let's just not do this event So, we're anymore. trying to cram a 1,000 games into this short time span. But if I were a player, I would be for that. Just give me my accolades. And move on. And move on. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, moving on to the big topic for today. Matt, yeah. how excited are you? For to continue I, our draft again, series. I love the draft. I love it way too much. Um, but again, teams can like drastically change like their trajectory by just the draft. So some teams can keep it going really far down if, if they screw it up. But some teams can make an unexpected uh, rise. I mean, just think of what Utah would be if they didn't take Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, like late lottery. Yeah, that that summer was the summer that Hayward walks. Like that team would be in the tank. Yeah. Like they would have, like Gobert probably wouldn't be there anymore. And they wouldn't have signed Bogdanovich. Conley wouldn't be there, right? They wouldn't have brought him in. Go- Gobert's probably traded. So, I mean, he's probably traded this offseason. He yeah. just traded earlier. But so it's like that. That's a completely different franchise. But yeah. they found one guy and it's like, all right, we have something. And so they built on it. Other teams are, it's like you're drafting Frank Nilakita and, and other and Kevin You're Knox over and over. You're in the seventh overall pick, yeah. looking directly at you, Chicago Bulls. Matt, if I set the under over for the next year's draft and the Chicago Bulls like selection at seven and a half, would you go under or over? God. Um, <laughs> again, part of me likes their roster, so I'd like to think they could get to the tenth draft pick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I don't. I don't feel. Gr- Super confident in that. I'm there. I'm not, I, I had not to, making that I had to pour bit. salt in the wound. 
just yeah just get my next shot chicago the, does things get the bulls shot in and now we can move on to actually talking about prospects yeah not nearly as many this week because there aren't i mean wings it's a position everyone is trying to get because there are never enough of them whereas point guards there's a lot of 6'2 190 180 pound point guards out there it's wings true. less of them there's, that's a, that's a fact so if you missed uh, part one of our draft series, uh, you can go back and listen to episode 84, like Matt was talking at the beginning of the show. Uh, but I don't watch a lot of college basketball, Matt. And so Matt's kind of, this whole idea is Matt talking about his big board uh, a little bit, but uh, really break, breaking down the prospects, what teams they can fit on, yeah. me chiming in with some questions, etc., etc. And then we move on. And he has them broken up into tiers. Yes. So let's start there. Start with tier one. So this is the probably only wing that's like a top five guy. Mm. And where he goes in the top five, depending on who you ask, like it varies a bit. He's, I think most people come to the consensus he's going top three. But Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. So this dude, so this is the, the quick summary on him. He's an aggressive wing who looks more like a linebacker than he does a basketball player. I mean, he's a shredded 6'5", 225. Um, gets to the rim at will. Will dunk on absolutely everybody. And when he starts heating up from outside, I mean, there, there's literally nothing you can do. And mm-hmm. if you saw the Georgia-Michigan State game at the beginning of the year, it's like he had four points at half. And Michigan State was one of the top teams in the country last year. Finished the game with 37. And it's like the shot selection was ridiculously bad, but it all went in. So you just kind of let it fly. And you know what? Georgia had had not many options this year on their team. And it was like him and one other guy. And that was it. So he shot a ton. Like he led the um, nation in volume pretty much. Um, Unfortunately, going along with that point, though, he settles way too often for jump shots it's like dude you are bigger faster stronger than everyone else on the court get to the rim and it's probably his best skill but it the jump shot looks cooler on instagram so <laughs> there's there's that you know back and forth with him um he he's not good enough in iso situations yet to like command a ton of isos like the handle is mm, fine gotcha but it's not like it's better in transition as a handle rather than half court um so he's probably just what i'd say like he's the ultimate potential play if you get him in the right spot and he develops and it works he's like the clear like head and shoulders number one guy in the draft and if he doesn't work he's like Dion waiters oh god oh my <laughs> so god there there are extremes with him i he's a better athlete than Dion waiters was sure. coming in like his body's better like i i think the if, shots probably looks better if yeah like it's a good looking shot yeah it's just he takes too many bad ones for sure like he's taking like you know like with the ones like carmelo got roasted for taking like the 20 footer like yeah. turnaround like yeah he's he does those okay gotcha. and like he makes one like four minutes into the game and he's like all right i'm taking five more of them <laughs> and he misses the next five I'm really feeling it today <laughs> so that's that's kind of the thing with him is it's like but it's also um no trying to learn what i can about him like his sport was always football that was his thing through like middle school and then someone's like dude 
you should try basketball like legitimate like he'd always play basketball you know i just have football players play basketball like dude you should like try basketball and so over the course of high school he did and i mean the athleticism always popped right because it was always going to translate it's just like the mentality of like just trying to roast dudes and Mm -hmm. like put them in like in the bucket was something that translated that's a very much a football thing too and so it's like there was a lot there and then really the last couple years he really started to um work on like the skill part of it so he's still very raw and if you think about where he was five years ago versus where he is now you should be very encouraged if you think about where he was two three years ago and where he is now super encouraged and he admitted like when he got to georgia those were like his first time like lifting weights and he looks the way he looks so it's like the beginning of the year he was like could barely do like some of the bench press stuff like they would expect a freshman to do like just any freshman and now he was like by the end of the year he was like leading the team in like all of their weightlifting things so it's like the rise is there it's just like can you hone him in and like turn him into a quote-unquote basketball player so like that's the hard part but Mm -hmm. all these teams that like you need a star you need like a guy to transform your franchise on the perimeter like you it's gonna be really hard to say no to him like in the draft so like teams like the wolves would be an awesome idea for him because it's like that's your third star that is your clear third star with russell and towns the problem is he plays as much defense as them (laughs) he he looks like he can play defense yeah and at and flashes he plays defense and it's just smothering but it's like he plays defense for like four minutes a game Mm. right now so someone's got to teach him to play play. defense more yeah Yeah. and how to play it at a high level the hornets okay like i don't think golden state's the greatest fit for him like it's it's andrew wiggins like overlap way too Mm. much there um so the hornets like a potential franchise changer that's a good fit the Cavs, um again defensive issues with the two guards you drafted the last two years but again guy in the perimeter can really make plays the hawks would be another one um, the Pistons, the Knicks, he's not getting, if for some reason he got out of the top seven, there's no way the Knicks would pass him up. So he's going in that top five. Like he's, I don't even see him getting past Cleveland. So someone's going to have to trade up if they want him. Yeah. Um, I just think his ceiling's way too high to, to ultimately pass up on him. Yeah. He's got significant flaws and like significant room to grow, but what he's shown is enough in this draft to be like i guess the guy you you borderline just like screw it we're gonna take you at this point so that's like the lowdown on anthony edwards again fascinating doing to watch fear like frustrating guy to watch though from an nba perspective so what what it sounds like and i've just seen like the uh, instagram clips of this guy is this like a like a wing version of russell westbrook <laughs> kind of i mean not as athletic, so, obviously, but like it sounds like he just kind of plays like how I don't he, know, he wants might to be play. that athletic. Like, really? Okay. He, like, dude, dude can get up and do everything. Um, so like when I make my big board, I also try and just throw out like some comps alongside with it, like one like low end, like one like semi realistic, and then one like he's hitting I th- his I max. I think I think it's like a really good thing. So like my low end one is like Dylan Brooks. Okay. Like it's like yeah, yeah. you're you're not that actually great of a defender, but like you get in the way, 
you sometimes are like you have an ego yeah and you take too many shots and you shoot your team out of the game but then sometimes it works yeah right and it's like he at worst i think it's going to be that um i know i said Dion waiters like that's not too far off from dylan brooks either to be honest so my other one another one i had written down it's kind of a weird one but the wing version of julius randall like a dude who's he's just okay. trying to get buckets okay at the end of the day he's just trying to get he's gonna get and you know what he's gonna get it he's gonna get 18 to 22 points a game yeah he's gonna somehow get seven rebounds and like three assists and a steal and you're like hey you did a good game and you're like his plus like his plus minus was like negative 20 <laughs> you know but it's like and his team lost by about 20 <laughs> but you but you know it's like well we might have something here but it's yeah. like i don't know if you actually do he is a really productive player but i don't know if it's much past stats productive mm. so then like the high end and i mean this like in like the most complimentary way like think of like the good things from these two guys is like a weird mix of andrew wiggins and victor oladipo like think about okay. the best parts of their games and put yeah. it together. So like the, I mean he takes the shots like he's Wiggins, yeah, and has a has probably an un a, a too much confidence in his offensive game. And like the, I don't know if he'll ever be as great a defender as Oladipo, but maybe like the semi hurt Oladipo. Like he's very much active and can be in the way and can at least I I, can, I, I don't know if I view Oladipo as like a number one defender. But like a really, really good number two defender that plays off of their number one defender. So like and can get to the rim. So like if he could be all that and maybe more, you know, that's to me a really good player. That's that's a guy like you probably in this draft have to take definitely top three. I mean, like, if you think about it, oh Depot's like a super borderline superstar right he's yeah. like a star so like if he ends up being that it's like if we could just get andrew wiggins with the victor oladipo mentality and yeah. willingness to play defense then you have honestly a great a really, player a really good player for um, sure it's just there has to be like this there kind of has to be a lot to happen for it to work out and that's kind of where i'm at with edwards is like if he doesn't go to a terrible situation he's developed by like some really good coaches and he doesn't feel the need to be the savior of the franchise. Mm. He could work. That's why I'm. I would be just like super concerned if he like fell to the Knicks, because they would expect him to be that. To be and savior. he's not. Yeah. He's not. But like, let him go to like Charlotte or like Atlanta, maybe even Cleveland, and like just just develop. Take a couple years. Let's just work on our game. Let's get. Let's become a better basketball player, and then let's see where we are halfway through your rookie deal, and realize how we need to build a team around you then like if that happened he'll be an nba guy and a probably a multiple multiple time all-star but i don't know you know some teams are going to rush it because that's just what some franchises do they're like we got the number one pick or mm. you know we got a top three yeah. pick we're winning tomorrow stan van gundy gets hired in new orleans and we are going to push for the playoffs now yeah if that happens i'm worried for yeah. him like he's going to like get in his own head and, and then turn into and like out. Andrew Wiggins, yeah, whatever. That yeah. makes sense. I follow with that. So, last question on Anthony Edwards here: How does he compare to potential top picks from like previous years' drafts? Where do you see him, like in that in those groupings? So, from the last four years, so yeah. 19, 18, 17, 16. So, if he was in last year's draft, he's going behind Zion, Jaw, and RJ. Because okay. like, RJ is a better 
basketball player than gotcha. Edwards. But like he probably falls in like you wouldn't take like DeAndre Hunter over him. Like there's just not enough ceiling in that situation, right? Um, 2018, that was the Aiton, Bagley, Doncic. Like, Doncic being said third there is funny. Jaron Jackson, Trey Young. I probably would have taken all those guys. Ahead of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's once you get past that, it's like there's no one else worth gambling on more than him. But, yeah, so he's, like, sixth in that draft. Um, the Fultz, Ball, Tatum, uh, Josh Jackson. Um, De'Aaron... Josh Jackson, you know, was good at Kansas, though. Yeah. Like, there was actually something real there, and then he went to Phoenix. Um... <laughs> And De'Aaron Fox, I, I think, you know, even at the time, you know, Fultz was, there was a reason he was a top guy. There was a reason Lonzo was a top guy. There was a reason Jackson was a top guy. I At, at the time, I probably would have put him sixth. Okay. And then uh, the Simmons draft, where it's Simmons, Brandon Ingram, um, Jalen Brown. He probably would have been in that competition with Brown for like that third-ish spot. But I think they, like, they would have been very similar players. I think you would have gone with Brown a little better basketball player again like a lot smarter on the basketball court and you trust like everything else kind of figures it out so like edwards probably has a higher ceiling than brown but you probably have a better idea that brown's gonna be in the nba in six years Mm, so he probably would have ended up being fourth so a last four drafts somewhere between fourth and sixth in all of them but he's number one to three in this draft just because it is what it is and again like I said last week with my tier one guys, I don't see Edwards or Ball or Hayes or any of the tier one guys even going to the other positions. That's like they're your number one option. Like at their peak, they're your number one option. I don't see it for Edwards, like him ever hitting that realistically. Of course, there's some universe where it, where that happens, but I don't. I mean, that's like the 99th and a half percentile <laughs> outcome. Yeah, that I just don't think it's gonna happen. But he's gonna be. A, I think he'll be a good player. Nice. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I don't Andrew know. Wiggins bit just concerns me with him. Like they're, they're very, uh, they're just, it's a different body, but it's a very similar player. I, that concerns me also. Anytime you bring up Andrew Wiggins, unless this is not you're an saying, Andrew Wiggins friendly podcast, <laughs> unless, unless the sentence is no, Andrew Wiggins is no longer on your team. <laughs> that's you don't feel good about it. <laughs> you don't feel good about bringing up Andrew Wiggins. Well. There's going to be some Golden State people who are going to talk themselves into Andrew Wiggins this season, and I'm I'm worried for them. <laughs> I'm worried. Moving on, draft uh, tier number two. This uh, so you've labeled this tier uh, as starters with real upside. So yeah. some potential here. Yeah, this is probably the anyone else going in the lottery for wings. And part of me, as someone, if I was a team like a guy drafting. I would hope there were more than like three legit wings um, in the lottery, but I mean, just it is what it is. There's a couple other guys in the next tier um, that have some real potential, but I think for this group, um, RJ Hampton, who played this past season in Australia, and then Sadiq Bey um, out of uh, Florida, Villanova, goodness, um, are probably the two guys for me. The other name that gets thrown out a lot is Isaac Okoro. I have him more in my forwards group, but I guess you could have him in this group also. I matter semantics, but he's a t- Okoro is a tier one guy for me that we'll talk about next week. Um, but because of his game and his strength, I put him over there because he has more flexibility in their lineups. Um, so I went Hampton and Bay for this grouping, 
And so RJ Hampton, like I said, played in Australia. He went over there with Lamelo. They played on different teams. Um, he played for New Zealand, whereas Lamelo played for Illawarra. So when they played each other at the beginning of the year, from what I, I recall, because I watched part of that game, Hampton at least looked like a valuable player out there. Like he wasn't a star out there, but it's like you are a good basketball player out there. Whereas Lamelo, it's like when the shot goes in, it looks cool, but for like the other 30 minutes you're playing, this is a disaster. Yeah. And so RJ Hampton, even going into Australia, was a guy, it's like he was going to one of like Kansas, Kentucky, well, Memphis. Blue blood, blue like, bloods. Yeah, going yeah. to join that super Memphis team. I think Memphis was ultimately where he was going to go um, if he would have stayed stateside. But, you know, he got paid to go to Australia, not illegally. Um, <laughs> so with RJ Hampton, he's about like 6'5", 190. So a lot of people want to put him in like the guard category. Mm. I just, I don't see him as like your point guard type. Um, I prefer him more off ball, but as a secondary creator, it's fine. But just not like, I want RJ Hampton bringing the ball up for me. Um, so I like him more as like a two, maybe even a three, because I think he can put on weight. Um, he's put on some weight over the last year or so. So I think he could have that versatility on the wing. Um, yeah, I just don't want him running my offense. As a playmaker from the wing, he can probably make an impact. He's tough. I mean, to go play in Australia with, like, grown men, you got to be tough. To, like, play a role over there and not just, like, I'm shooting 30 times. It's like, I know, that takes some mental strength. Because, like, you got shipped to a different country. And you think you're kind of going to be all that. And then it's like, I don't care. You're going to get humbled a bit and, like, knocked around. And he handled it well. Um, he's improving on defense. Like, he he's trying on defense. Like, he's not a great defender. He's not even probably a good defender yet, but he's closer to neutral than he is a disaster. Um, he is, his jumper was the biggest question. Like, just is it anything, like, worth clamoring about? And in Australia, it didn't really look like it. Part of that's, I mean, he's just getting beat up over there, right? Because it's, like, grown men. And in Australia, you can you can get after some guys. Um, <laughs> like, Andrew Bogut's going to, like, murder you if you come inside. Defensive player of the yeah. year. Yeah. Um, but he he's obviously come back to the States after their season ended. And he spent basically the last five months with Mike Miller. And Mike Miller, who was on that Memphis staff, is part of the reason he's considering going there. No, he decided to step away from the university. But he's basically just like worked with Mike Miller for the last five months. And everything that I've seen reporting and video wise, it it's just like Mike Miller taught him how to take a proper jump shot. <laughs> and like it looks good now. So yeah. like whereas it had like a bit of a hitch before that's ironed out for the most part. Like, yeah, you're gonna need to see it in some game situations. Like, but if you feel I mean, I wish they could bring him in and run five on fives you know against other prospects but if you feel like this jump shot is something that can be done on catch and shoot which i think it is and maybe off like a dribble which i think it is then he's worthy of this lottery pick if it ever can get to a situation where he can take a jumper off the dribble like legitimately off the dribble then this guy should be a top five guy Mm. but at worst i think he's got a good range from like six to 10 um maybe 12 but he's he should go somewhere in there because there's enough upside still with the jump shot to warrant a higher pick and just the overall way like 
he was willing to go take on Australia, and then he's worked on the jumper and he's worked on his body. I would like to think he's going to keep working on it, like just all aspects of his game and get better at it. So I think he's worth whatever risk you're willing to take. Um, for teams, I mean, as high as four with the Bulls is probably like that's the max for him. Um, but more realistically, I'm, I'm thinking more Cavs, Hawks, Pistons, Knicks, maybe Suns. Okay. If you just want to say like yeah. Devin Booker's the one, Devin yeah. Booker's the one. We're doing the James Harden thing. You know, maybe not. You know, not the full Houston thing, but James Harden runs the one now. Devin Booker runs the one now. Who's playing beside him? RJ he, could he, be he could work. He yeah. could work in that role. Um, so I don't know if he gets past though, like the Sacramento type at like twelve. Um, at the very worst so he's he's up there i think just like him as an all-around player and there's just some guys maybe his career ends up he's like the great glue guy but in this draft a great glue guy with some pretty real upside i gotta take that fairly early on and then sadiq bay one of my favorite players in the draft um if you play at villanova i'm probably gonna like you as a draft prospect to be honest um jay right yeah, um, get, Jay Wright, maybe next Oklahoma City coach. Can we can we make that happen, Ryan? I don't, if Jay Wright's not taking the Philly job, he's definitely not yeah. moving to Oklahoma City, right? Probably not. <laughs> um, but Sadiq Bay, he was the core piece um, for Villanova this past year. He's kind of your model three and D wing in terms of like this skill set. Um, he's not a dynamic athlete. Some people really crap on him because his rebounding numbers weren't great but that, that wasn't his job like when he needed to rebound he rebounded because he's he's a lot bigger than rj hampton sadiq bay is a lot closer to like six seven six eight okay um you know in shoes maybe he could hit six nine but he's somewhere more in there weight wise he's 215 220 so he's got some legit possibility of playing the three like solidly um even though he's not like the run and jump athlete some teams want he definitely understands technique he definitely understands spacing he's the guy that i mean he shot like 45 percent from three he's always been a 40 plus percent three-point shooter at villanova in his multiple years there defensively villanova struggled at the beginning of the year and then a handful of games in, Sadiq just told Jay Wright, let me guard the best player, and then y'all figure it out. And they did it, and they became like the top five team in the country, Villanova again. Because he's like, I'm locking down whoever it is. Mm. Now, it worked in college. NBA, he's not he's not defending the LeBrons. Like, yeah. Well, because, well, not just LeBron, but like even that type of like big, strong, I'm doing whatever I want wing. He's not doing that. Um, but could he give jimmy butler uh at least a solid defensive effort yeah like that next tier or so ish of like guy he could give them like a really like at least tough time he's not gonna hold them under 20 probably because no one is consistently but he's gonna at least make you work for it and if you put him on anyone lower than that tier like you're like ah crap sadiq bay's guarding <laughs> like he's just he he just knows what to do he's 100 percent time on the floor offense or defense always knows what he's doing and so there's a lot of value in that to me. If you can make threes with like a nice looking form and you can do it off the catch, he actually was like 
about like the i think it was 89th percentile as like a pick and roll handler not that that's going to be his role at the nba but like he can dribble he can make some reads i'm yeah i'm watching some highlights of him right now the shot doesn't look bad but like half of his highlights are in a pick and roll like he's running the pick and roll and it's weird like that's not going to be his role at the nba level but it's like just enough of like if you needed him to do something in a pinch he could because because he's and it's not that he's a great ball handler or anything he's just so smart and he always knows, like, if I'm running this pick and roll on the left wing, I know where my different kickouts are automatically. Like, he doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't, like, he just knows where to go with the ball. So I think there's just a lot of value in that. And defensively, if it's not, like I said, the LeBron types, like, he can guard two through four. And if you're going to even do, like, what I just mentioned with the Suns, like, you're not playing a point guard, he could guard that point guard. Like, the Devin Booker, not devin booker necessarily but like that type of guy if you're not going to play a true one he kind of looks like to me like just watching these like quick like highlights of him he kind of looks like a poor man's og ananobi like yeah take that for yeah no I'm... he's not the athlete that ananobi is yeah but like coming into the league he's going to be a much better shooter than ananobi but like you're not far off with that really um still so, uh, like his jump shot doesn't look bad like it could use some a little bit of work but yeah he it, I mean, he looks like a guy you could definitely throw out there today as, like, a fifth starter and feel oh, confident about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, And so that's kind of where I'm at is I think his range is probably more in that, like, 9 to 14. Like, the mm-hmm. Wizards want to, you know, you you did the whole Otto Porter thing, didn't work. So let's go Wall, Beal, Bay. One, two, three. And then, I mean, they have front court issues. But, uh, Hachimura. <laughs> yeah, Hachimura and then a center. Thomas, Thomas Bryant, yeah, Mo Wagner, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know Bay's going to play defense, and you know he's going to hit threes off the John Will drive and kick. So, uh, you know what? That's not bad. That's not bad. And it gives them another floor spacer. The Suns were another team if they wanted to move Booker over. Um, the Spurs, he's a very Spurs guy. Yeah. I would I would kind of be shocked if he got past the Spurs, unless someone fell at the Spurs that they were otherwise drastically in love with. The Kings would be another one. If they can't bring back Bogdanovich or they let Buddy Heald, you know, get traded somewhere else. Um, the Pelicans would be another great one as a floor spacer there and to help on defense for sure. And then the Celtics as, I mean, he wouldn't start, but the bench guy. Um, that could just at least hit some shots so we can quit doing the Shimmy Ojale thing. Um, <laughs> like if Shimmy Ojale could shoot a jump shot, he would be Sadiq Bey. Yeah. This feels very much like a Spurs yeah celtics type of guy yeah from what i just watched and it's yeah you're and you were right when you said he can step on the nba floor tomorrow and play 15 minutes and you'd be like perfectly happy with every decision he makes yeah and again there's value in that um whereas like the next tier of guys there's one guy similar to him um but the other two it's like yeah they might work but you probably need to go like the right situation sadiq bay he doesn't like just turn the suns into a playoff team but he definitely helps them he helps every team he joins he it's not the huge upside play though um unless it's like dude you're just like the perfect complimentary piece but i think he just he's going to be a good player for 10 12 years i i can't imagine a situation where it's 2030 and he's not in the league Mm. and i know that's like way 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 down the line but i you know he's just that type of guy it sounds like also, like, not to loop in another team and another guy, but, like, it feels like P.J. Washington, almost, like, when you're talking about him, like, not super high upside, but the dude's probably going to play in the league for 
yeah he's just super solid yeah at the very least and maybe a little more can come out of him yeah but at the worst he you he knows his role he knows how to play basketball and he's going to just do the right thing and there again you saw how much that helped the hornets this year and the hornets were like bad like they should have been much worse than they were and then (laughs) he was winning them games somehow yeah so bay could have like that similar type and you're like why did sadiq bay go so low why did pj washington go so low and it's like well there's legit reasons yeah but you know there's also reasons why you want him on your team um and so sadiq bay for all those like fringy playoff teams you want sadiq bay i think that's that's kind of where one of those teams is gonna pull the trigger on him he's not going higher than that yeah because there's just not quite the upside but that's his range right there nice you you talked me into more Sadiq Bay than you did RJ Hampton. I you know what but I haven't it, watched any RJ Hampton yeah, clips, yeah, so yeah. maybe that's it. Um, so question for this group: Why did you like? What gave you the slight nod with these guys over the next tier that we're about to talk about? So I I started to mention it with Sadiq Bay was I don't think they have to go to the right team. I think like just if you draft them. You know, as long as you have reasonable expectations, they're a good player for you. They're sticking around the league for a long time, and they're just—they're going to be like at worst a super solid glue guy. Whereas, like the next tier of guys, we'll talk about if if they go to a situation that like just is the slightest bit off, I could see them like not getting past the rookie deals. Mm. And so, it's like these guys, I just feel confident they're in the league for a long time, and at. In this draft, if you're a fringe playoff team, I think you take that security and draft one of them. Um, RJ Hampton, I said, has a bit more upside, but at, you know if he's there in that eight to twelve range, I'm not shocked either. Uh, so take the guys that have either a, Sadiq Bay, a great role player who's going to be around for a long time, Hampton, a good role player with still some legit upside because he's so young. Um, him and like. I want to talk like Lamelo so young. Him and RJ are like a month different um, mm. in terms of age. So like he he needs to be in that conversation too. Um, or Sadiq Bay, I think he's twenty one. He may have turned twenty two. The off season's throwing me off with like how old <laughs> some of these guys are now. Um, but so like he's not old old, but he's not you know older for an NBA yeah, player yeah, coming into right? the draft. So I don't know. That's why I feel pretty good about them over this next group, which is tier number three. That's a nice transition. We're going to talk about some specialists now. So some yeah. like very specific role yeah. players. Yeah, yeah, And of this group, you have Josh Green, Desmond Bain, and Aaron Neesmith. Yeah. I did it. You almost wanted to say Naismith. I you had to stop to. <laughs> myself for a second. It's it's very tempting to say Naismith. I was, I, very I'm tempting. Too. Um, yeah, because Aaron Neesmith, I, not to talk about him first, but like he played his he played a freshman year at Vandy. Wasn't anything that special. Um, but his sophomore year is where he broke out. We'll start with Josh Green. Because he's... So I mentioned in the guards group, or guards podcast, Kyra Lewis was kind of the guy for me that like I wouldn't be shocked if he was like the best guy out of that group. Um, I'm starting to get there with Josh Green. Uh, like If he hits, like if he truly hits, which, again, there's a lot that goes into it, more so than with Lewis and, and the guards... I would not be shocked if we're like, how in the world did he get out of the lottery? Like, mm. what was the league thinking? Um, he's he's the guy that looks like 
NBA teams made a wing in a lab and was like, <laughs> I need a three and D wing. Um, he's best on defense and in transition, but like the half court is way better. I think than people realize he played at Arizona this past year. He's a native of Australia, um, came over, um, and, and played for Arizona. And while Nico Mannion was the guy who got a lot of hype there, Josh green, um, was the guy who made all the winning plays to me. He he's like six six, two twenty with six ten wingspan, and he's got bounce. So that's that's kind of where it's like, yeah. I mean, there's there's some teams, and we'll talk about them in a bit. It's like they have like a draft profile, right? They're like, we drafted this type of guy. Yeah. He he he's that type of guy <laughs> for a lot of teams. Um, they're just enamored with. Um, guys who look like him and he's really the besides Edwards like the next like guy who it's like you are a physical freak um, in this draft and I watched a lot of Arizona this year because I was up late a lot of nights and West Coast West um, Coast see, seeing a lot of basketball games and again he's the one that's like diving into stands he's the one getting on the ground he's the one like seeing a steal like before is like three passes away and like coming up with it He's the guy, and there's one clip. I don't think it was early in the year, but I think they were playing like Arizona State, where the guy was taking a free throw for Arizona State, and Josh Green, he wasn't one of the low rebounders next to the, he was one of the higher ones. He, it was a, not awful miss, but it just kind of went right back up towards like the free throw shooter. He just, in the midst of all the bodies, went up higher than everyone else out there, ripped it down like aggressively, turned, and saw like five guys out in transition, like a mix of offense and defense is like, I got this. <laughs> and just hard and got down the court in like three, four dribbles. And an Arizona State player made a business decision to get out of the way. <laughs> and he just yammed it. And I was like, yeah, that's that's the NBA athleticism that you need. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like there are sometimes he doesn't always show it um, out there. There he, he has to get used to playing this higher level of basketball still. But... I think you put him in an NBA situation with NBA dudes who are just going to push him constantly. I think he's a guy that rises to the occasion more often than not. Now, yeah, the jump shots, like, it's not perfect. Like, I know that. It's gotten a lot smoother um, from the variety of reports and work and videos um, I've seen and read. It's, again, he's not a guy who's, like, shooting off movement or anything. Like, you're not running him off screens. But, like, he's definitely a guy, and the Rockets don't have a pick. But, like, the Rockets would, like, just fall, like, over, like, head over heels for. Um, Just, he's going to catch and shoot threes. It's one dribble, attack the rim. He's not going to take too many pull-ups in the mid-range. And so, I I trust him more on defense than, I mean, him and Sadiq Bey are, like, those guys for the defense. But, like, he's he's just one of those dudes. Um, He's not a wing creator as of right now but i don't think he's ever had to be so him running a pick and roll which isn't even a part of arizona's like game plan really which is frustrating (laughs) um and then playing two centers in arizona is another really frustrating thing but we talked about that with kentucky last week oh i'm watching that clip you just talked about um where it's oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and you know so it's it's one of those i wonder what he looks like in a better situation yeah. Um, I see the upside just already, but then when I start thinking about NBA spacing, NBA athleticism, um, 
what he's going to be asked to do, it's going to look better than it did in college, I think. Um, at worst, good role player, I mean the Mo Harkless types of the world, where it's like, yeah, as long as we don't overpay you, you're going to be in the league for a while. But um, he also is a guy so dependent on athleticism that I worry like one injury like knocks him out of the league. Mm. So yeah. we're in like this... I'm not saying he's like an injury prone guy or anything, but like he's so dependent on it right now that the skill set, well, developing and like flashy, um, or shows flashes. I wouldn't say flashy shows flashes. Like it's it's just not there yet. Um, he needs like a good year or two in the league before we really start seeing the potential of Josh Green realized. So that's why I think he's more in that like Kings to Heat tier, like that 12 to 20 group and the draft kings pelicans celtics again all those teams again the blazers would be another one if they'd be willing um to draft and develop him the mavs would be like a perfect team the nets would be a perfect team for him the heat would be another great one um any of those like fringe playoff to barely made the playoff teams i know celtics are there because they had the grizzlies pick yeah um all all of them like work with him just so well and we'll give him that space to grow and develop in the NBA. The jumper looks good. I just saw, watched some highlights of him. It's, like it's not, not bad. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, you could catch and shoot yeah. now in the yeah. NBA. It's not going to like take you 10 years to get off the it's, shot. And that's the thing. It's like surprisingly quick. Like yeah. It doesn't take... He's not like having to catch it and then load up and then shoot. It's like, all pretty much one yeah. smooth motion, which it's is probably, a big deal. Yeah, and it's probably just more he needs the reps. He yeah. needs the game reps, For sure. too. Um, but I think he'll get there. I really do. And I think I'm a bit higher on Josh Green than most. I, Him being like... And I think I have him at like 15 on my big board. So like just outside of the lottery. Most people, I think, have him more 20 to 30. But I'm, I'm struggling to keep him at only 15. I want to have him higher just because of the like teams needing wings and wanting wings like it's just the positional scarcity that you want to take chances on um i just don't know if he's the guy for a lot of teams but if i was a team i would take that chance the next guy is desmond bain four-year guy at tcu so again this dude has the biggest shoulders that's it's just one of those things that like stands out when you look at him he's like six six again like this 215 220 guy oh my god um yeah, it's like his shoulders someone, are massive. Did someone Photoshop these? Like, what's going on with this and dude? I, I love it, though, because he basically walked into college like that. Um, mm. He went. He was like a tiny 2A high school in Indiana, like private school. Um, somehow got out of Indiana. Um, but, I mean, he wasn't like a guy in recruiting either. Um, he was more of like he went to the school because of academics. So at TCU, here's the thing. Strong guard. Shot 40% from three basically every year. He start about halfway through his freshman year at TCU. They're like, we need you to start. And he's like, okay. He shot 38% from three that year. That was his lowest percentage for a year. So, like, he legit can hit threes at, like, a 40-plus percent clip. He can actually dribble. Like, he was borderline their point guard this past, like, year and a half. Um, not that that's going to be his role at the NBA level, but same way, like, Garrett Temple kind of does it. Like, he's kind of in that same thing. Of, like, mm. I can run point for you for, like four minutes if you need um or if you see me catch and shoot i'll do that uh he he's a really sneaky good passer uh he he's in that makes the right passes type of category but 
he does a little more passing than that um he's obviously a super smart player he's not the greatest athlete but he's like a solid athlete you know it's like probably decent enough for the nba um he's a super good defender he's not the quick twitch type defender but like i don't want to say he's malcolm brogdon as a defender but if he ended up career-wise as malcolm brogdon i wouldn't like be shocked just because like yeah he just has the body he has the smarts he has a shot he knows defense he's good at all the things like that you need on a for a wing on the basketball court and obviously i mean being a four-year guy at tcu kind of helped tcu become something yeah um he's he's a guy that like the the speed of the game of the nba isn't gonna trip him up it might just be like the literal speed of guys in the nba that get that make life harder for him but at the end of the day i, I don't think he's going to struggle that much in the nba um again he's he's to me in this blazers to bucks tier okay. so blazers i think have like 16 um so blazers and then it's all the same teams mavs nets he i threw on he might slip to philly um and maybe like milwaukee i there's no way he gets past milwaukee there's no way they wouldn't i mean he's what they want west matthews to be and I mean, West Matthews has been in the league for a long time, so I don't want to discredit West Matthews, but like, I would trust him more on the floor tomorrow than West Matthews because like his legs aren't just dead. Right. So <laughs> he doesn't know. have the injury history that. Yeah, but like for sure the like the good part of the career of West Matthews. Yeah. Like that's realistic for Desmond Bain. Okay. Um, and like that's a that's a really nice NBA player. Yeah. Um, that if he goes higher than the Blazers. I wouldn't be shocked, but like again, it's that like the fringy playoff teams. If one of them just falls in love with him, I could see it. But I personally don't see him getting past the Mavs at I think nineteen, eighteen, nineteen, something like that. Um, again, he's a TCU kid. Like they've seen him a lot. I know they've seen him a lot. They've reported they've seen him a lot, and he fits perfectly next to Luca. He can like kind of take the pressure off of him a bit with like if I swing you the ball, can you like make something happen, please? <laughs> yeah. Um, or just hit the shot. Right. I, that's where I kind of think. He doesn't get past the Mavs, but there are other teams there that could use him. And the last one for this group is Aaron Neesmith. One word, shooter. Like, he, he shoots. But he's, like, not... He's not one of these classic skinny guys. He's, like, again, nice body. Like, 6'6", 2'10", fairly long arms still. I think it's a, it's a plus wingspan. He can definitely run off screens um, and hit shots off screens. Like, and that's what I think of a lot of teams, if they watch the Heat, they're, like might take him a bit higher than this um he's got a quick release for the most part um so part of the concern his freshman year wasn't great like is a low 30s shooting percentage year for him and again that vanderbilt team was bad like it got slightly better this year um because their point guard uh sabin lee got better also that last year team is when they had darius garland and he got hurt like four mm-hmm. games in aaron e smith this year was i mean shooting the lights out so he only played like 13 games um or s- something like that shot 52 percent from three oh. <laughs> his, i mean his, i'm watching highlights right now and his jumper looks every bit it's clean it's clean and he's really smart like he shifts out to the wing when like with the driving guard yeah like, he has a good sense for the game i think jerry stackhouse being the head coach definitely helped him yeah like a lot um and so that's why it's like I see a team very much can talking themselves into Aaron Neesmith. Concern, injury, because like I said, he only played a, a 
about a dozen-ish games this past year for Vanderbilt. He had a stress fracture in his right foot. Mm. So if you think, okay, he didn't have the greatest freshman year, and he only got to play part of his sophomore year because of a foot injury, maybe that deters some teams. He's not the greatest defender. Like, he's he's there. He's, like, where he's supposed to be. He's just not particularly good at defense. Again, one of those, I don't know if he's ever been really asked to play defense. Um, so, I don't know. If you think you can get some more upside of him there, you, you might take him a bit higher. He's not, like, much of a creator or anything, much of a dribbler. But if you think he can develop more in dribble handoff situations into, like, a dribble and a read, then maybe you take him a bit higher. If you think he's just a shooter... I think his kind of top end is like the Mavs. Okay. Again, that what like Tim Hardaway was like early in his career. Um, down through, I mean, he has it's pretty much the rest of the first round. Nets, Heat, 76ers, Bucks, the 26 for Celtics on that later pick, or the Lakers would be a really good one. Um, if they couldn't bring back KCP and Danny Green and some of those guys, he could kind of fill those voids. Um, I like I like him. I definitely like him. It's just I'm I struggle with how much to like him. At points, you know, especially early on in the season, I was like very high on him. The injury sets me back. Looking at his game tape freshman year through now sets me back a bit, but you know, he's definitely a first round guy. Mm. It's just I I struggle with where to bet on for him. Like what what's yeah. his top like for you? Like where is his ultimate value in the draft? I think this is like the good value for him in that like late late teens to mid twenties, and like there's nothing wrong with that because he could do better than that in terms of NBA career when we look back five years from now. But I think this is probably the safest range for him. This nineteen to twenty six ish grouping, and there's a lot of teams in there that could just use. We need another floor spacer. We don't need you to do anything else. We just need you to space the floor. Like, the Celtics could use that. I I know I'm a Celtic fan, so I talk about the Celtics more. But, like, we just need another guy who can shoot out there. Like, when we pass you the ball, shoot the ball. Um, the Bucks, the 76ers. Yeah. You pass you the ball, side. just shoot. Yeah. Just shoot the ball, and it's going to go in. He has a little bit, like, just watching these few highlights, he, could, he can, like, if he catches and, like, defender closes hard, he definitely can take the one dribble. Let it let him pass by, yeah, and then shoot, which is something like not a lot of guys coming into the NBA. I feel like have, yeah, um, like that's just kind of that shooter thing. Like you, if you're a good shooter, you have you, a sense you for have that. to learn like yeah. that one dribble, either sidestep or like step in, depending on whatever the situation may be. But like, yeah, he's got that. It's just much past that. I don't want him dribbling the ball right. or making a decision. Yeah, but like again, if you have that, that's valuable still. Yes, yeah. I mean, you I mean, see, this, like you said, the 76ers are probably looking to spend ten million on a guy like that yeah, this offseason, right. and, and if he, you could draft him and pay him a mil and a half, right? Then all of a sudden you're in a much better financial situation. Lord knows they need that. <laughs> um, so for this group, we'll do kind of that same skill rundown yeah. we did with the guards. So if you missed that in episode 84, <clears throat> we kind of ran through like of the group. This is the first time we're doing this for wings because there's more than two guys yeah. um, in this group. But it, I just throw out best skill. Matt gives a quick answer. So, shooting. From this group, probably Neesmith. But Bane's pretty awesome, too. So, I think I'll lean Neesmith, though, at the end of the day. Passing. Yeah, Desmond Bane. Defense. Josh Green. Athleticism. Yeah, Josh Green. <laughs> Consistency. It's Desmond Bane. Yeah. Four-year guy. Yeah. Like, and... Uh, 
Jamie Dixon cares about guys who run his offense, and basically Desmond Baines run it for the last two years. So, yeah, I trust him more to do the right thing every time. Nice. Ceiling. Like I said, I think it's Josh Green. I wouldn't be surprised if we look back and be like, why wasn't this guy like 10-ish? And I have him 15 to 20 right now. Mm. So he's just one of those dudes that's like, is he like that? Even like the Spurs drafting like Keldon Johnson types and stuff. It's like, why did he fall? Like, what didn't we see? And I, I think Josh Green had a better season than Keldon Johnson did in college at Kentucky. But that's beside the point. Like, Josh Green's a, a real dude. That team should take a, a longer look at. And this last bit, it's just, we're not going to go like nearly in depth um, with this uh, group. But this tier four, which is just like your fringy first round guys. And... I just put as this, like, who knows with these guys? Like, I I know there are people who like these two a lot more than me. I know there are people who wouldn't be surprised if these guys, like, slipped to the early second. So their draft range is kind of all over the place. And so I'll save you from the names on this one. <laughs> Leandro Balmero um, and Devin Vassell. Uh, I'll start with Balmero because um, I like saying his name. Um Argentinian, 6'7", 185 pounds. So, of course, everyone's like, Manu, right? Like, and like he, like he admits, like, I love watching Manu. Like, always did growing up, all that jazz. Um, he's more of, like, a tall guard than he is a wing. So, I don't, it's just, I don't know if he's good enough as a guard to, like, warrant, like, having the ball in his hands every time mm-hmm. down the floor. But maybe in the secondary role, like, you swing one. Like, maybe he's the quote-unquote point guard you could play next to i know i keep saying devin booker as the example but just to keep that example going yeah um if he could ever get like a consistent three-point jump shot like this dude's going way higher than fringe first um i think that so he's he played over in barcelona um he got some minutes with like the top team and like he had a game the other day um for them and he got some early minutes for them which was a bit surprising and then that team started blowing out their opponent, so he pl- ended up playing like 26 minutes. Um, mm. Had like eight points and 10 assists. Um, five of the assists were like when the game was like still early on and close. So it's it's not like it was all garbage time. Um, concern, he shot like one for five from the field and six for six from the free throw line, though. So it's like there's there's enough there with his touch to make you think the jump shot should develop, but between... NBA athleticism, him not really being a defender, and then the already kind of shaky jump shot. I get you. You should definitely take a flyer on him in that like late first, early second. But he's probably needs to be stashed. Like he's a young guy. Mm. He probably just if you let him spend like another year over in uh, Spain, that's probably best for him. Part of it is you know. And a lot of teams over in Europe will do this. They're like, they'll put him... He played most of the year at, like, the lower Barcelona teams. Um, just because they're like, we're not going to play this guy and, like, tell all the NBA franchises about him, right? So, like, maybe he goes over, <laughs> actually plays for the ACB team. Um, and it's like, ah, uh, that's why whoever drafted him and has the rights to him. Drafted him. Um, draft and stash type of guy. Yeah, he's, he's an incredible passer. Like, if you watch his tape, like, that's what's going to jump off the screen is, like... He, it's the passes, like, he's not Luca as a passer, but, like, the passes where it's, like, 
you were like three quarters court like bounce pass like right on the money and you're like whoa <laughs> you're making the pass or like he runs the pick and roll and it's like he somehow sees a, a wing lifting from the opposite side and throws like the hook over his head and it's just a dime mm. and you're like there are, there aren't many guys who make it that pass yeah um it's just like what about the consistent decision making and just the pick and roll like can you do that better can you finish at the nba level at the rim can you pull up and hit a jumper i don't know about all that but he does enough to make you think like there's there's a something there for sure and then the other guy devin vassell so from florida state oh my god he's like this <laughs> six five six six um wire reframe like 180 185 pounds was not like a high recruit coming out of like a small school in Georgia. Um, but there, there's a lot to work with here. Mm-hmm. And his, his jump shot's like the biggest concern. Uh, at, at Florida State, I, w- I would call it peculiar. Because it like kind of went in. But I never really trusted it going in ever. Like every time I watched it, like coming out of his hand, I was like, I don't know if that shot's going in. <laughs> and it, the percentages say it, it went in a pretty fair amount, if not even more than that. Um, and he, he just finished his sophomore year there. And he did take significant steps in their offense from year one to year two. Like he could put the ball on the floor a little bit, but if I'm looking at him from the NBA level, I don't love the handle. And like at that standard, he's not someone like I'm just throwing the ball to and say, like, mm. I need a bucket yeah. at all. Um, the catch and shoot shot. It's kind of the same conversation we had with Halbert, and like, yeah, it went in, but like, you they've tinkered with it also. And I showed you the video before we got on, and oh, it's so bad. And Twitter, I mean, he deleted it, and his trainer deleted it, but like, it's still alive on Twitter. <laughs> um, like, it's like the dude. It's like when like you're filming a TV show, and like you're comically getting the actor to like throw the ball from, like from behind his head. It's like. Uh, what's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Yeah, like Carlton. Carlton, thank you. It's kind of, yeah. it reminded me of that. But, like, it like it went in, like, in the couple shots uh, they, they t- uh, tweeted out. But it's like, it didn't look good at all. And I was like, this is not working at the NBA level. Like, is that shot ever getting blocked? I mean, maybe not. <laughs> but, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, that doesn't look like an NBA shot to me. Yeah. Um the the pros about him are he's a good defender so he he's for most people more in the tier of Sadiq Bay um Neesmith Bain um even Green so he's viewed oftentimes as like the better like we just know he's gonna be a good defender and I think that's true at the college level, but I don't see a lot of six six hundred and eighty pound wings. Like he's truly a wing. He's not a guard. Um, I don't see many of those guys succeeding on defense in the NBA. Mm. Like he's gonna need to put on like significant weight to me, like twenty plus pounds. And the thing is, like, okay, you started getting courted by D one schools your senior year of high school. You just played two years at Florida State, and you don't look any bigger in three years. So that's what really concerns me. It's like, I don't... Is he just one of those guys, like, the body just is kind of what it is? Like, yeah, it can get better, but are we talking, like, small incremental bits of better? Or are we talking, like, massive 20 pounds of muscle better? 
I would like to think at the NBA level you can do that. But I don't know, between the jump shot already being what it is, I don't love the handle. And I think he's a better college defender than an NBA defender. It gives me pause on taking him. There's going to be some first-round team that takes him because they talk themselves into, jumper's not that bad, we can work on it. The defense is better, like we think it'll translate, and we think we can improve the guy's strength. If you know, there's some people that love him as like fringe top ten ish type. Mm. And I get it if you believe in all of it. I get it if you want him at thirty five because you believe in none of it. I get it if, you know, it's just, you know, take seven drafts, you know, spots forward for each thing you might believe in. Mm. I I think I feel most comfortable with him and like the twenty four and on group. Okay. Like, take a shot. Like yeah. if you're if you're Boston and you got three picks, take a shot. Right. Sure. If you don't need him to play tomorrow, take a shot. Like, he's just not a guy I'm throwing on the floor um, for, like, the first year. Like, I don't know why he's so highly viewed by many, but, like, Romeo Langford, again, I know I'm throwing out Celtics guys. Like, he couldn't shoot. He actually was a good defender in college. Like, he was really good at Indiana. And he had a much better body than Devin Vassell. And yet he was, like, 14, in yeah. that draft. Like, why is Devin Vassell being viewed so high? Like, if Romeo Langford types were kind of, like, thought of as a little bit lesser. So with him, I I just, I don't invest lottery in him. And if I'm a team that's, like, wanting to take, like, that next step, you know, the Mavs type, he's just, that's not a guy I want either. He's the developmental, could, should be something for the Bostons and, and Toronto's and LA's of the world. Like he's closer to shimmy Ojale, like not the body type, obviously, but like the shimmy Ojale, like, Oh, there might be something there. Then he is some of these other draft prospects. To me. So what I'm hearing is that he's going to be on the Oklahoma city thunder. Yep. at some point. Oh, 25 to OKC pencil it in hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's my worry is like, he's Terrence Ferguson, but like yep. not as athletic. Yeah. So, <laughs> this like, is uh, you're giving me shades of like Darius Baisley 2.0. Yeah, he's not Darius Baisley. He's just not. He's not as good as Baisley. So that's where like I just struggle. If he, you if, know, you've listed a lot of guys. I'm like, huh, that would really work well for the Thunder if he ends up slipping that low. And then I don't, you d- then you laid out the Devin Vassell case. He's and there's gonna be rumors that Sam. Sam Sam Presti has talked to this kid like five times in, through this draft process. I would promised be, him to be drafted and whatever. And you know, I I don't actually think he makes it that far. Like, but in my opinion, like that's a safer landing zone. And if if he did fall that far, hundred percent he's going to OKC, <laughs> just because that's their style. Like that's just the guy. Can't like, shoot, they, plays defense, and, and he's like kind of thin. Ah, uh, yep, yep, that's <laughs> that, that's a guy. That checks all the boxes. Nice. So there's um, love that. I, I really hope OKC doesn't do that for their sake. Please don't. <sighs> Quit doing it. You know how many times has it worked? <laughs> I don't know. Basley. Basley. And it. like honestly, we've only seen. You know, we think it's worked with uh, Basley. We can't we've even guarantee like, it. We've seen like nine good games out of Darius Basley. Yeah, he was good. Bub- bubble. Yeah. Bubble Basley. You know. But Anyways. I don't know what to do with that either. Throw it out the window. <laughs> That's what I say. Um, Are we not going to talk about why OKC hasn't hired a head coach either? I don't. If you want this podcast to go <laughs> another hour, <laughs> then yeah, we could talk about it. 
but we're we'll bring it up in the next episode right. if he hasn't if there hasn't been a hire because this would have been because that's know. getting kind of ridiculous at that point it's not looking good <laughs> not looking good have you put in for the job yet maybe that's it maybe that's what <laughs> sam's waiting on he's like where's ryan <laughs> sam presti if you're listening to this you're probably not this is my formal application to the head coaching role of the oklahoma city thunder <laughs> i have some bad news for you now i'm forever not playing diallo ferguson oh yeah i forgot about diallo gosh any of those guys they're they're at the end of the bench they're going down to the oklahoma city Thun- oklahoma city blue yeah send them down expand to- the g league go down to the g league uh anyways that's all we got for you on this episode uh this is episode 85 crazy we made it this far the the baron davis late baron davis episode okay i was about to ask you yeah i looked at baron davis episode he wore 85 in cleveland and when with the knicks in the early 2000 teens it's uncomfortable looking at it (laughs) we're like in wide receiver numbers now yeah we are we're just gonna run out of ocho Ocho cinco oh god uh t higgins now hey there we go (laughs) Anyways, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We will see you back in episode 86, and we'll be talking about some forwards then. Uh, So we'll see you back then. Yeah.